Dad Court Podcast. Yes, we're back. Well, I pretty much never left, but my co-host has been all over the place. He's been cruising. He's been on boats. He just finally decided to wander back in, Dean. Nice to see you. Yep, good to be back. Planes, trains, boats, ships, everything. Just wandering around, and here I am back. Got to watch lots of tennis. They had the tennis on the ship, so... Laid back there, had a beer, watched the tennis. It was great. Do you feel irreplaceable now that sort of the, the podcast just didn't run while you were away? Uh, no, no, I don't think our three or four listeners would have would have missed me too much. <laughs> oh, oh, what about what about Mrs. P? I know Mrs. P uh, listens. Yeah, not when she was away, she didn't. So that was one less. There's been so much happening uh, all around the world and as we move deep into the clay court season, we're in uh, Madrid this week obviously, but there's been plenty of other stuff happening which we will get to over the course of this podcast over the next uh, well half hour or so, but what's taken your eye over the past couple of weeks uh, in terms of performances or news or things like that? Uh, well, it is starting to get better. I mean, I watched a lot of Monte Carlo and a fair bit of Miami and I guess Monte Carlo was a bit scratchy because it was the first clay tournament and, and they're slowly, you know, getting into it now and they've had a little bit more. But Djokovic has got to be the story. I think he just keeps winning and just so easily. I guess it's not easy. It's not the right word. But just so emphatically, he just he's beating everyone. And yeah, I mean, I read a story today, which we won't go into now, but for any of the listeners out there, have a think about the greatest year in tennis and they were comparing... Federer's 2006 with Nadal's 2010 and uh, so far the Djokovic 2015 and it's an interesting thing to look at. It is and uh, I mean how do you sort of rate greatness? Is it winning every Grand Slam? Which could potentially happen you know. He's still obviously on track for that but just this winning streak and he's played so many matches he's decided to bypass Madrid and instead focus on Rome and then straight into Paris from there, which is a sensible move, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like there's a fair bit of pressure on him now to win that French, and I still think he will. I, I know I said uh, in our last podcast way back then that that was my parting message, that I think Djokovic is now the man to beat for the French, and it's not just that he's winning the slams, he's now controlling uh, all of these Masters series as well. He's the first man to win all three, or the first three of a season, and he would have been favourite going into Madrid had he have played, and I think he'll be favourite going into Rome regardless of what happens here. So, yeah, he's just dominating, and he does go on long stretches of win, so it's certainly possible that he could do the Grand Slam, although that is very, very tough. So I guess we wait and see, bring on Paris, and see if anyone can upset him. Did you wander into Andy Murray's wedding? Were you in that part of the world while you were away? No, I didn't, didn't go over there. I did see some photos and saw he missed a little bit of tennis, and... Had a look at that, but no, I didn't wander in. Okay. Just, yeah. Well, congratulations to Andy. It seems to uh, be agreeing with him, this whole marriage thing, because uh, what a great final that was in Munich over the weekend. Yeah, I saw he got very angry at Rasol there as well a little bit earlier, but yeah, I mean, a lot of rain over there and it got pushed back and they missed a the whole day where they had to play quarters and semis on the same day and then the final was pushed back a day, but yeah, very good match and his first clay court tournament uh, win. Yeah, which is great news for him. Ends up playing Cole Schreiber here at, uh, in Madrid as well. So uh, just continues to play those long, long, drawn-out matches. Um, Sammy Stoza's working with Dave Taylor again. Yep. Uh, that's all come full circle for her. So hopefully he can find some sort of stability 
Yeah, I mean, she's interesting. She She's had a couple wins this week, which I'm sure we'll get into too soon. But yeah, hopefully it works out. And obviously she's she's had a, had a couple and she's back there. So maybe she didn't know what she had until she left and now she's back there. Still, uh, Jeannie Bouchard's struggling. Yes. Um, you know, trying to find a right coaching mix or to find a coach in general. Um, noticing too, Jonas Bjorkman working with Andy Murray. Well, I mean, Emily Moresmo will go on maternity leave soon, so need someone to, to get into the team for the next couple of months. And, um, you know, there's been all sorts of different things uh, happening uh, across with coaches and stuff like that. Agnieszka Radwanska and Martina Radilova no longer working together. That didn't appear to have worked, uh, or certainly they uh, decided to go their separate ways and just end things now. So there's always movement all the time. Yeah, that was a very quick one. I. I know. I remember you and I were talking about it, seeing you know she hadn't started the year great, and we thought maybe it was just a settling in process. But that one's all over, and I mean, let's see how she goes now. If she's still in it this week, and maybe she can push on. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we'll look at that with interest. Um, obviously, looking at the rankings at the moment, and and not huge dramatic changes in terms of the rankings uh, at this stage of the year, but. You know, Novak Djokovic at the top, Federer, Murray, Nadal, who's been a little bit up and down. And uh, I know you went early, before you went away. That's why it's taking you so long to get back, because I've recovered from the shock of that. <laughs> um, you reckon he, he won't win the French Open this year. That's exactly what you said, so don't yes. back away from it. No, no, I'm going to reinforce that. I still think Djokovic is the one to beat there. And, I mean, hard to argue that at the moment, isn't it? Uh, no, I'll, st- I'll still mount the case. I'll still build the case. Yes, of course, Djokovic will be favourite there, but I'll-, I'll still build the case as to Rafael Nadal coming good, as he always tends to at Roland Garros time. Just what? wait and see what happens here in Madrid first. I really hope he does. I'd love to see a semi or a final with those two both playing at or, or near their best. I just think that would be obviously amazing tennis to watch. But I just think the Rafa, it's a bit of an issue at the moment because his his huge weapon that we all know about is the forehand and the forehand into the Djokovic backhand doesn't work so nice. It usually goes down his line and makes him start chasing. So it'll be interesting, but I just think the uh, the, the tactics at the moment are working in favour of the world number one. Mm, interesting. Well, um, let's take a look at, at what's happening in Madrid as being the most up-to-date current sort of thing and... and um, getting through the matches pretty quickly on the women's side, obviously one-week event as opposed to two-week event because there's back-to-back tournaments here. So looking down the draw sheet, um, I guess that would have been one of the biggest surprises, uh, Simona Hallett being beaten in straight sets. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that bottom quarter now, uh, just to let everyone know, there's 16 left on the women's side. And that bottom little section uh, we were talking about just off air, Kuznetsova, Stoza, Safarova and Vinci, it's wide open and if Stoza can just sneak past Kuznetsova she's in a, uh, a nice position there to to make a deep run at the Masters again and when you compare that to the quarter just above where they've got Wozniacki, Redwanska and Sharapova still alive it's uh, it's opened right up at the bottom there. Well it has and and it can happen in uh, t- clay court tournaments such as mm-hmm. this but um, Sam Stoza as we mentioned a uh, really good performance against Angelique Kerber getting through after losing the first set um, important because things tend to fall away, but she turned things around. That was really good. And then followed up that form against Kai Kanepi, a, a player who's beaten her before. Yeah, she certainly didn't. That was the important thing, I think, to follow it up with another win and and not make it a, a one day where she had a good day and, and back to some uh, poor results. But, I mean, Pliskova, who's been playing really well, she has gone early as well with Garcia getting past her and 
as you say, the clay does seem to, to open it up a little bit sometimes. And uh, we look a little bit further up Petkovic. He, she's already pulled out uh, with a, with an illness. Uh, but that little section there has opened up as well. I mean, Bar Kvitova, the other three are all unseated. So a good chance for, for an unseated player to, to make at least a quarter and see how they go. Yeah, uh, Serena Williams, Victoria Azarenka. Another test for Vika as she makes her way back up the rankings. Um, Serena just keeps going 6-love, six 6-1, six and then 6-4, six 6-love. Six a pair of Americans, Bringle and Stevens. So that gives you an idea that things are just rolling the right way for her. Yeah, I don't think surface <laughs> matters too much for Serena. She's dominant anywhere she goes, which is uh, which is good. But as you say, Azarenka is the next challenge, and... It'll be really good to see how Azarenka goes in that sort of match uh, on her comeback. And Suarez Navarro, who we were talking about in our last podcast, is someone to watch. She's had a solid last few weeks as well. And here she is again, just making her way into the, the third round. And Ivanovic is her next opponent, which will be another good match, especially on the clay. Yep. Um, Kvitova, Pavlochenkova, uh, Rina Kamilia Begu, and Barbora Vazalova-Stritseva, who beat Jeannie Bouchard in three sets after losing the first set six love. Mm. Extraordinary stuff with uh, Jeannie's game at the moment. Then Wozniak and Redvanska, Garcia Sharapova, Kuznetsova taking on Stoza. That'll be an interesting match. And Safarova taking on uh, Roberta Vinci. So that, as you said, that bottom half of the draw is uh, very much open, that little bottom section there. So big chance for those four players at the bottom to uh, sneak their way through into a semi-final. Yeah, exactly. And I guess one of them will be sneaking through unless Safarova, I mean, even she's seeded 13, so it's not too expected if she makes a semi, but she's the highest seed left down there. And has been on our uh, watch list for a little while, Lucy Safarova. She has. So uh, sort of projecting forward here, what are we uh, What are we thinking? Uh, well, I think down the bottom, we're probably uh, looking at Sharapova. She, she's been playing well. I know she hasn't had the uh, highest quality of opponents in, in her eyes, but 6-2, 6-3 and 6-1, 6-2. She's been cruising. So I think she'll probably get through either Wozniaki or Rodwanska. Obviously, that'll be a, a close match. But I think Sharapova would beat either of them and putting her into a semi against the people we were just talking about. Uh, and I think she wins that as well into the final. Up the top, I'm tempted to go with my Pete rule and just go with Serena if she's there. But Hey, look, it's available if you want it. No, I'll leave that for you. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go Kvitova, and I don't really know why. She likes hard courts, she likes grass courts, and I'm picking her on clay today. So uh, I've got no sort of reason. Maybe it's because I'm fresh and I'm back, and I'm going to go out there with something funny, and that's what I'm going to pick. Well, Kvitova. okay. Yeah, I mean, you've come back from all this way, and you're going to go with that sort of stuff. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We, we, we will wait and see. <laughs> we will wait and see. Um, in terms of uh, my thinking on this, uh, uh, Serena in the top half, and then I think it's wide open in the bottom half because Wozniacki Radvanska will be a good match. Yep. I think Sharapova will beat Garcia. Um, maybe Stoza to get the win over Kuznetsova and, and really flip a coin between Safarova and Vinci. So you look at that little section there and probably say Safarova, give her the edge uh, and maybe up against maybe up against Sharapova. Yep. Uh, but if it was Sharapova, Wozniaki, Sharapova, Radvanska, I think whichever way you look at those combinations, there's going to be some great quarterfinals uh, there is, coming yeah. up. So let's get let's say Sharapova, Safarova, Sharapova, Williams, Williams to get the win. I yes. mean, it's a fairly predictable sort of pattern, but I mean we're so f- close to a Grand Slam that you know that this is where the players really start to you know the full on preparation mode. Yeah, it's serious tennis time now. So on the men's side. There's lots of like. Nick Kyrgios, we haven't talked much about him. 
And no. he's returned from injury. He wanders over to Estoril. He almost gets defaulted in his first match. Gets through that. And then uh, rolls through to the final and loses to Richard Gasquet. What an excellent performance. Yeah. I don't know how to talk about Nick anymore. He just, he's got all the talent in the world and he's fantastic to watch. I mean, the near default was very close. Very lucky, I guess, that he didn't get defaulted. But as you say, he's just, he's really good to watch. He's got all those shots. And I mean, it's not the end of the world if he doesn't, but if he can get just enough points, I think it's around 100 points or 90 points before this week, he'll be inside the top 32 for France. So to get a seating in in Paris would be a, a fantastic result considering a year ago he played played there and, you know, just got his first win. Yeah. Look, at, yeah, the, the whole defaulting thing, yeah, put that to one side and put the final to one side too because I reckon the, uh, the week coupled with the fact he hasn't had a lot of matches, meant that he was always going to get run down at some stage, I think. If he's got that got that talent, obviously Clay not the number one favourite service for him, but comes up against Roger Federer. So obviously we're recording this before he goes out and plays Federer. Um, Federer, obviously the favourite, but it's a matter of how nervous I think Nick's going to be actually walking out there against the great Roger Federer, I think, anyway. Particularly, you know, Clay can be a good leveller. Yeah, and... I mean, the match tomorrow, I think it's tomorrow our time, it, it it really will be, as you say. I mean, Kyrgios has got the shots. Federer is, well, we know what Federer has done. And, and I mean, he's got to be the favourite. But Kyrgios has the shots to beat almost anyone on his day. Uh, I think Federer will be too smart for him, especially on the clay. But a lot of people have spoken to me about or asked me about the clay and what I think about Kyrgios because obviously he's had great results at Wimbledon already and uh, on the hard courts, he, he looks pretty good because he's got such big weapons. But I think the clay, it shouldn't suit him with that massive game, but it kind of does because he's got the weapons, but it looks like, especially in Estoril, that he wants to chase and he's going to grind out those long rallies when he has to. And then he's still always got that killer weapon, especially his forehand, but when he needs it, he's still got that extra power to go to and he's still going to get cheap points on his serve no yeah, matter what Yeah, but it's all, about, it's all about matches at the moment. That's so right. Getting plenty of matches in and when you're leading up to best of five set tournament, the more matches you can get, the better. I mean, the thing is, from here on in, he just fingers, toes, everything crosses. He doesn't get injured again. That's right, yeah. So he can complete. It would be great to see him complete a full season. I agree. And, and I think... And, if he can string back to back to back matches together, then yeah, you know, he's thirty five at the moment in yeah. the world. Yeah. Top twenty, top ten maybe if he just keeps going. And and obviously gets things start to ramp up a little bit once we finish in Paris, obviously playing Wimbledon, Davis Cup, then onto the hard courts in the States. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of opportunity by the end. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's top fifteen. Yeah, and I mean he's still young. I wouldn't mind if he had to, you know, play Wimbledon or play the French, play Wimbledon, play the Davis Cup, have a little bit of a break. And if that's what he needs to do and miss a couple of tournaments at this stage when he's so young, he's still he's just turned 20. If he has to do that to get through the season fit and healthy, I think that's what he's got to do. And then, you know, try and string a year together from start to finish. And as you say, see where he can get to because if he can do that for a year or so, by the time he's 21, 22, he's going to be right up the top of the game. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's a waiting game, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. So yeah. no matter what the result against Federer, I think uh, things are okay. While the injury is just being totally kept agree. Um, John Isner turning things around. Bit of a slow start to his season. Um, plays Thomas Bellucci. 
Joe Wilfred Songer and Jack Sock, who's uh, putting together a good season. Richard Gasquet um, backs up. He, he won his first round match. He won the final. He comes down the next day, play, wins his first round match. He then has Thomas Burdick to deal with. Nadal Johnson suggests Nadal to get through there. Um, Vani Boelli. Uh, Vani getting a win over Bernard Tomic. Yep. 7-6 in the third. Disappointing result for Bernie. But uh, getting matches in there. Um, Grigor Dimitrov taking on Fabio Fanini. Hey, you, what, you know, you never know what you're going to get with Fabio. You've beaten Rafa twice now on clay. Stan through already against Jao Souza. Um, David Ferrer is there. Vadasco Chilich will be an interesting match. Bautista Good Query, uh, who beat Tanasi Kokonakis, who qualified again yes. into a main draw yep. of the tournament. He's just got this knack. He should just qualify for everything. He's right on the brink as well. He was one one oh three before this and I'm not sure that qualifying will get him there, but he could be uh, you know, right on one oh one or or hundred even. He will be very close to cracking the top hundred. Marquee matchup for mine is uh, Nishikori Gofan. Yes. And uh, David just having a win over a player whose name I just refuse to mention now on this podcast. Yes. Um, Ranić, Monaco. Ranić getting through there. Lopez taking on Maya, Monfils and Grenoliers and Cole Schreiber and Murray. Now, talking about, seriously talking about marquee matchups, that'll be huge. And I'm predicting another three-setter between those two. Yeah, Cole Schreiber likes playing these big guys and he seems to push them. And he, he did so in the final over there in Munich. So it'll be another good match. Rightio, so where are we going here? Well, I think in the top half, I'm really interested in Nadal. I mean, I know I've said that I like him and, and those sort of things before, but he hasn't been playing well, and I think every game is a danger game for him at the moment. And I would really like him to go deep and play Roger in a semi just because we know what he's done against Roger, and Roger will be hell-bent on turning that around. And I have a feeling we're going to get it this time. I think... Federer is in good form. I think he should make his semi-final. And, I mean, Rafa, given the draw, he's got probably should as well. I mean, he should beat Johnson. And then he's got uh, Varney or Bilali. You would back him there. And then maybe a Dimitrov or Varinka. And I think, I mean, Varinka's dangerous. But you'd probably back him in either of those two on clay as well. So he should probably get through. Uh, down the bottom, David Ferrer and Nishikori. I really hope that is a quarterfinal because... And if it is, they'll need to start it early because that could be a long <laughs> one. But I'd love to see that on clay. And I think Ferrer, he's been playing well. He's still just flying under the radar at however old he is now and getting it done. I think he'll make the semi. Uh, and I'm not sure down the bottom. I, I'm not sold on Murray coming off the, the short flight or the short turnaround, sorry, and Cole Schreiber again. Maybe Monfils, who's who's been playing well on the clay. Yep. Maybe we pop him into a semi there down the bottom. Uh, against Ferrer. No, Nishikori to get to the final again. Yep. And gee, if he could go one better, oh, that would be fantastic. He was so unlucky. He was desperately unlucky against Rafa this time last year. He's got the shots. He's Watching that final was... Uh, he was outplaying him until his back went. He was. And he... I mean, he's coming off Barcelona again. He's back-to-back champion there now. His back went and... Yeah, I just... Yeah, it's just it was such a shame when it all sort of fell apart and then he's seeing his opportunity Nadal just pounce it. It was great to actually watch. Um, you know, it was good to watch in terms of watching Nadal win a final at home in Spain, but just it was so disappointing for Nishikori. Yeah. 
I mean, he's a real danger as well. I mean, his game is so solid now, and the clay just really works for him. I mean, mm. I know he's been having some really good results on hardcore, but the clay's really working. And uh, I mean, I just I think Ferrer is still underrated somehow, and uh, yeah, I think he might make the final down the bottom here. And if he plays Nadal or if he plays Federer, I think he's in trouble. So okay. oh, I'm I'm pulling for a Nishikori Nadal just to see both players fully fit. Um, be informed to get to the final, obviously, uh, to see what happens there. Would be a great challenge for Nadal's mental capabilities there if he if he did play Nishikori again, knowing last year how mm. far behind he was when when the back went. So that would be fascinating. Winner, loser for the week, month that we've been off. Yes, really broaden it out. Let's go winner first. Yeah, let's start with some positives there. Sam Groth's got to get a mention. I know we didn't go through him there, but he played a challenger last week, won that. Uh, he's now 68 in the world, career high, and that's really good and a little bit off the main sort of scene at the moment. But it's good that uh, they're still playing down there and having some good results. We've gone through a lot of the winners that, that you were speaking oh, about. Oh, so you, that was an honourable mention, it was was it? an honourable oh, mention. Oh, right, okay. Rightio, rightio. An honourable mention, but he had to get that. Okay, okay. I'm sticking with... Hello, Grothy, if you're listening. Yes, sticking with an Aussie flavour for my winner of the week, month, whatever we're going with. And it has to be Kokonakis. He's 13 and zip this year in qualifying. Uh, I remember we were talking about should he be playing qualifying or playing challenges, and we kind of came to the agreement that he probably should be playing challenges to get experience. He's not just getting experience. He's teaching some of these players how to how to qualify <laughs> for tournaments. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he's doing it really well. He's almost top hundred and will be very shortly. And good on him. He's uh, he's my winner for the the month or the, the little period we've missed. Uh, my winner, my uh, honourable mention to uh, Roger because uh, just wandered off to a place he'd never played before, Istanbul, <laughs> a newish tournament. Surprised by how much popularity he had there. And just goes and wins that because he's just Roger. And that's just what he does, really. He wanders through and he just wins tournaments. And that's what I I like to see. He's Uh, now won in 19 different countries, I believe. Tournaments. You'll be able to write a book about all his records. Is he going for 20? You'll be able to write all his records. A book about all his records. It's just amazing. It'd be a novel, that book. Um, yeah, good work from Kyrgios as well, but obviously keeping the Australian flavour yes. of, of things. My man Milman. Yes. Uh, there's a challenger tournament going on it in uh, France at the moment. He came up against Blaz Kavcic, the top seed, who uh, is ranked 77 in the world. Just knocks off in the first round. Thank you very much. 7663 on the red clay. Now, remembering too that uh, our man Milman. Um, gave away his wild card, reciprocal wild card to the French this time last year because he was injured and didn't feel he'd do a good enough job of it. He did. He gave it to one Nick Kyrgios. So hopefully, hopefully he will earn that opportunity again. Hopefully Tanasi gets direct entry, Too which I don't think is going to happen. I no. think that's cut off, hasn't it? Yes. Won't get any points to jump over. It doesn't matter now. Hmm. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it will go Kokonakis' way. But let's hope Milman, for his sake, if he does go through qualifying, he does deserve a go. And he has lost so many close, tight matches. Him and JP Smith, those two guys, uh, I always feel sorry for them when they lose because everything they've gone through and Milman, again, had been injured. And like you say, did his shoulder and had to come back and then came back and got injured again. And it's been a long journey. Kokonakis at the moment sits at 103. Yes. You were at 108, Milman 138. 
I not believe... including 10 points from first round here. Yes, I'm not sure where Kokonakis was when the cutoff occurred, which I think was a week or so ago. Ah, uh, I'm, getting but... caught up. I'm getting caught up in cutoffs. Yes, and it could be a couple of injuries or withdrawals, and it's the same with Kyrgios, but the seedings are a little bit later. So at the moment, he sits at 35. If he... he well, who knows what he will do here? He may be Federer and not need to worry about that. But if he sort of lands thirty three or thirty four, he could get in as well with withdrawal. He could be a seed. Yeah, he could be a seed, but it's more Kokonakis whether he could scrape in. But yeah. probably relying on injuries. Yeah, to do it that. would be. Yeah. Um, even though he didn't move from his position at one hundred and three last week to this week. Yeah, I'm not sure when that cutoff was, but yeah, he may be very close, which means Milman could be the the one. The wild anyway. Card. Let's see how that pans out. So, my winner, loser. Loser. Well, there's a couple of these that need a mention. Uh, you've touched on one, Eugenie Bouchard. She's changed coaches. She's tried everything, and it's just not working. And and not shaking the hand of her opponents at Fed Cup 2. Very interesting the, uh, choice, and then got defeated yeah, quite comfortably. And that's not nice. Yeah, it was made a big a big scene about, and she said, you know, I don't shake the hand of people before. An interesting choice, but if you're going to do that, you've really got to back up your words, and <laughs> she definitely didn't do that. So it'll be interesting what she does in the future in those situations. But, yep, she's got to be a mention. But there's one person here that needs to be mentioned above all else. No. Your mate. No. We can't, we're not mentioning him by name anymore. The, La- band, the band. Latvian. Banned. Not um, not mentioned by name. The the Latvian that no. everyone knows who we're speaking about. We're not, not mentioning we, on this podcast until things improve. I saw Pete after the Monaco match where I'm not sure if our listeners will remember he lost off the top of my head. It was six love six one. Don't remember it. In that first set, the six love. I watched that and I believe out of that six love, he hit maybe twenty three. Errors off his forehand, off one wing, just the forehand. And it was as easy as get the ball over to his forehand and watch him hit it a couple meters long or halfway up the net. And after the first set, I was pondering, should I watch this, should I not? And I thought, I I have to watch it because of what we've discussed. And Ernie, 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 what do we say about Golbus? He has got to be my loser of the month, week, year so far. No, I... I, (laughs) Not, I'm not even talking about him anymore. At I'm least done. He, I'm finished. He won a set in Madrid. Finished. Done. What would he need to do now to get into the top 10? To get back into this podcast? Or the top 10 for the <laughs> oh, end of the year, like winning your prediction. Ma- start winning matches. I think you need... It's, m- not, it's not that... <laughs> I mean, come on. He'll need come more on. than matches. He'll need to win Grand Slams to get back into the top 10 for the end of this year. Oh, just no. I'm sorry. I just, no. That's one podcast I'm looking forward to is going ahead and looking at our top tens and saying, how did we get this so wrong? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> things aren't going so well and we seem to be talking about it on a regular basis. Do you have a, a loser that's well, more deserving? Well, but probably not, <laughs> you know, because I was, I was going to tip into that as well. I oh. think tennis fans might be the loser though. There's some talk that... ITF's thinking about making fifth set tiebreakers for Davis Cup. Don't like that. Yep. Okay. Um, What's their th- thinking? The you remember Maya Souza? Yes. Contest, yep. which is I think just wrapped up. Yeah. Um, six hours forty two minutes. Seven six seven six five seven five seven fifteen thirteen. 
Yes. I'm not seeing an issue here. Very they good wanna, match. They want to just uh, shorten things up. I think, to be honest, I think the players would probably push for it. Well, I guess if you were on the receiving end of six hours of pain, then you'd probably not be enjoying it so much. But I think, I mean, America do it with the US Open and it's an anti-climax, I think, when you get to the end and you go, you know what? They played for four hours and Pete there hit three bad shots in a row and lost a tie break and loses the match. I think it's a very harsh So you don't like losing. it at the US Open? No, I like the, the other three slams where... I mean, how often does it go past? Yeah, I know, but there has to be a practical consideration. I mean, we moved from the days of no tie breaks at all in any set. Yeah. And we had to move past that. Yeah, I agree with that. But the fifth set, I mean, yeah, I guess there is a bit of contest there. But the fact that it's Davis Cup, it's only played over a weekend as opposed to two weeks, probably necessitates a uh, a move back to a... A sort of fifth set time. If it's gone four out, it's been a good match anyway. Yeah, and that's it's more. But of I a, think fans might end up being the loser. I think so, and I I even feel when you get to a third set of a, a Masters match, you know, it's a semi final, it's a Masters, you get to a third set, you're six all, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I'm not sure how often this actually happens, but you know, if you've got say Isner and Rainich playing, and it's it's definitely with serve and. You know, they get to four all in the tiebreak and then all of a sudden there's two net cords that fall that are impossible to get and they both go the same way. Match over all on a little bit of luck. I just feel it's a little bit harsh. So, And, and the other one is uh, Lucas Russell because Andy Murray doesn't like you. So uh, we're oh, That was a very <laughs> harsh comment. It's a nice little drive-by on the way through. Yeah. <laughs> Gave him a little clip on No court. one in the, the locker, locker room, room likes, likes you. you. It's a bit mean. You gave him a bit of a clip along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind airing the dirty laundry out on court. Yeah, well, anything to get an advantage, I think, in Andy's Andy's mind. So plenty to look forward to. Plenty of other Aussies uh, sort of in operations we touched on with uh, Sam Groth and uh, John Millman among the players who are plying their trade around the place. The other one, interesting one is Jason Kubler before we finish off. Yeah. Whether he'll go into qualies yeah. for the French Open, you suspect he would. I would say so. He been clay the clay court specialist yeah. in the truest sense. He's uh, he's climbing his ranking as well. He off the top of my head, he's in the top one forty ish area. So he's right in that zone for the qualifiers. And yeah, as you say, he only plays on clay, so perfect time for him. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that because qualifying will start to ramp up in a couple of weeks' time. We'll look at the cutoffs next week. We'll look at the end of Madrid, the start of Rome. There's plenty to talk about in the world of tennis. Yeah, I'll be back into it properly and all over. Well, that'd be more. handy. Yeah, yeah, I'll get off holiday brain now and back into tennis mode. Well, we look forward to that as we look forward to your company in the next edition of the AdCorp podcast.